0: Solo BG Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about solo and
1: cooperative games. We also bring you news, audio unboxings, Kickstarter updates, and interviews with amazing personalities around the industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. And now, here's your host, Derek Rodriguez.
2: All right, my friends, welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast, episode 110. And woof, like I told you on the previous one, we have a big piece of a steak, let's call it, like a big piece of dinner uh, for tonight or this evening or this morning, wherever, uh, you know, depending on where you're listening to and at what time you're listening to, because we're bringing a big, big Kickstarter game. And we have a whole story behind the game, actually, how did we got this game into our tables. And I say we, because on this episode, I'm not alone, like I am usually are playing solo board games. Now I'm with my good friend Jonathan, which you know him. He has been in multiple episodes in the past. He, uh, you know, he's going to be with us, joining us tonight or this evening, depending on the time, once again, that you're listening to. And we're going to be talking about a bunch of games. Probably like you read on the title, you guessed right. Uh, The big uh, part of the episode will be talking about Return to Dark Tower, uh, which is uh, the new game by uh, Restoration Games that still backers around the world are getting into their hands, or probably you're one of those backers that you're just waiting anxiously to get that game into your door, in that way you can open it up and look at the minis, look at the shaded minis, and all that stuff, all that good stuff that we're going to talk about about the game in a little bit. Jonathan, how are you tonight? Are you ready to return to the Dark Tower? I am. Yeah? You've been playing a lot. Um, a little bit, um... Not as
1: much since we just had our big uh, annual miniature market St. Louis trip. We played a lot there. Yeah. Um, I feel like this week was a lot of opening the boxes, organizing all the components for all the games that I bought. Um, A couple of them, I got inserts to combine expansions. So putting those together. Um, So not as much playing this week, but still a lot of board game adjacent things that I've been doing.
2: Sure. And you know, I like, like I spoil you amazing listeners on the last episode Uh, We just came back recently at the time of the recording of this one from our annual trip, like Jonathan is mentioning. Uh, You know, just it's going to be the only advertising that we're going to give to Minitri Market, where we usually go. This is actually the third year in a row that we go. We are a group of three friends, Jonathan, Caleb, and myself. We go to St. Louis. We book uh, Airbnb, and we just stay there for three to four days playing games, and we go and... For better or for worse, <laughs> we spend a lot of money on, on, on such stores, and we try to get some deals and then play those deals, either play them at the, at the trip or learn it right away a little bit after in that way, you know, we can bring those adventures to the table. But Jonathan is right. Usually the days after, it's more about opening the boxes, trying to set up everything. If we got, uh, you know, organizers trying to assemble them as well, which is a whole nightmare to me, and that's a a subject for another episode where I end up with my fingers full of glue every single time that I try to put together one of those folded space I think that's what I call folded space right uh, the inserts for the for the uh board games but anyway it's it's part of the hobby before we keep moving. I want to say uh thank you to all of you amazing listeners that uh you know were pending on the last uh, episode and i'm going to mention really quick the places that you know, the top places where you, all of you, are listening to, and it's my way to say hi to all of you and say thank you. United States, number one, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, Germany, Spain, Netherlands, Sweden, Mexico, and Finland. The top cities are, I hope I pronounced this correctly, uh, Swetland, Cot, uh Derbyshire, Melbourne, Victoria, Sydney, New South Wales, Brighton, Brixton, and Hove. New York, New York, St. Paul, Minnesota, Madrid, Madrid, uh, Perth, Western Australia, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Stockport, Stockport. Those are the top cities and the top countries that listened to the last episode. Once again, thank you so much for being there. And thank you for all the messages that we receive, either through email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Podcast, email solobgpodcast at gmail.com. Have you been in any of those places, Jonathan, besides Indianapolis, Indiana, from the ones that we mentioned, of course?
1: I don't think so. Not yet.
2: Not yet. Well, you know, you have, you have been in New York, right? New York, New York, I think, in the past.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been there once for like a weekend to go to to go see a play. But that's just, that's it. That was about 10 or 12 years ago.
2: And you've been in Canada for a, for a, a Comic-Con, I think, right? Yeah,
1: I guess I didn't really experience Canada that much because I went to Toronto for one of the Fan Expo conventions and I was inside the convention center <laughs> for the weekend. <laughs> but it was fun. That was where I met Mark Hamill.
2: Yeah, and, so, and you made the cast um, from back to the future too, wasn't there or not? Uh, Christopher Lloyd was there.
1: so like Mark Hamill, Christopher Lloyd, um, a lot of Doctor Who people, um, yeah. all, ki- all kinds of uh, all kinds of celebrities to that one. so it was, it was a very fun convention.
2: Yeah and, and I'm looking forward to visit Germany hopefully soon uh, as well as Spain. Uh, But anyway, thank you. Thank you for all of you amazing listeners that, you know, you're still here with Solo BG Podcast. And like I mentioned, we have a lot of games, Jonathan, that we're going to talk about. Um, You know, I already did the recap where we did our annual trip, which is almost like our own convention just for the three of us, where we get to play, I'm sure, and I dare to say, even more than what we play when we go to Gen Con per se, uh, which is the convention that the three of us usually go, since it's tw- literally probably 25 minutes away from where you live. Uh, it's 15 to 20 minutes from where I live, and, and, and for Kelly be the same. But this is a very special occasion that we have just for us uh, one time a year. Uh, and I wanted to start this uh, tonight conversation, Jonathan. Which one was the game that you purchased that it was more like um, like the randomness of the trip? Like Which game do you think it was more like I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know if it's going to be bad. I don't know too much about it. And I just bought it because I wanted to buy it. And that's it. Which one will you think? If you did any, by any chance. Um,
1: I think I did. I mean, a lot of the ones that I bought were on my list. And I watched videos beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did buy a CO2, which is a Vital Asserta game. Okay. Not played any of those, but it was in the ding and dent section, so it was discounted. So I figured I might as well give it a shot. Yeah. Um, the other one I bought was um, it was a Doctor Who game that just came out called Don't Blink. Um, oh, yeah. It was only like $22. It's supposed to be short, kind of a one versus many that focuses on the Weeping Angels, which is from one of the uh, bigger and more popular Doctor Who episodes. But Caleb convinced me to get that one because of the price. And I haven't really found a good Doctor Who game that I want to get. So I'm hoping that one's good Um, and we can try that fairly
2: soon. Sure. And I was going to say, like, Doctor Who seems like, well, it doesn't seem. It's definitely a very popular franchise. And I'm surprised that no one has picked it up and do, like, I don't know if a fun dungeon crawler, but you know at least something to what idw did with batman the animated series and and you know with the ninja turtles and all this stuff it's weird right that i guess as a big of a franchise as it is doctor who it doesn't have like a very well solid board game at least not that i'm aware
1: i think there's one but i think there's a lot of expansions i can't remember if it's a card game or more of a miniature game Mm -hmm. but it just seemed like there was almost too much for like i don't think we would play it enough for that to be worth it and i know there was like a kind of a really light game that came out last year that just wasn't didn't seem like it was much in terms of theme just kind of a maybe a money grab i don't know Um, but this one seemed to be uh, more on theme with doctor who and a little bit different than some of the other games that are out for doctor who so i'm 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 hopeful at least if it's not great it wasn't that much of an investment
2: yeah and 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 i'm hopeful too even if i if i my only experience with this the show I think i told you. I don't even remember which sh- which doctor who was it, but it, I think it was one that it was filmed early in early 2000s and I give it a try. I think it was on Netflix. Um mm-hmm. the main doctor was a, I think it was a female character, I want to say. I think unless I'm wrong. Uh, and anyway,
1: that's that's the newest one then. So then Everyone's it was a female.
2: So then the female that was there, she was a a a, a blonde, white uh, girl. Um.
1: Uh, that was probably his the companion. So, that would have been probably one of the first couple seasons of the when they rebooted Doctor Who. So, probably, you know, 2009, 2010. Yeah, that, I run, one of those around seasons. those
2: times. And I give it a try, but it was a little bit, um, I don't know if corky if, if will be the right word or. or...
1: No, 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 that's right. Little, uh, <laughs> especially like with special effects, it's not like Star Wars level. You know, there's not, they don't have that budget. So. Especially the, that first season, some of the special effects are aren't great. Okay, but if you can get kind of into that, it, it gets pretty good.
2: But I should give it a try because you, you know, I mean, knowing you now for you know being, in, we we're not only friends like we're family now, and and, and we've been together for what like um, four or five years already. And you always have talked very well about Doctor Who, and I know you're a, you're a huge fan. And I should let that play some bias and and kind of push myself and force me to 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 give it a try, you know, just I feel like it, it it will be good if I if I can push through. And it's almost, I mean, I'm it's I know it doesn't compare at all, but almost like Breaking Bad. When I talk to people about Breaking Bad, I always tell them like, you know, give it a try. After the first two, three episodes, then it starts to ramp up, and it might be the same probably in Doctor Who, even if once again completely different shows. Because I understand that Breaking Bad is probably one of the greatest shows ever, um, but it's probably same situation. Anyway, uh Jonathan, you probably can mention the name of this game better than me. Here it is for you, and you know it. Oh, Ganymede? Ganymede, that's correct. That was my randomness from the trip. Actually, this one before we got there, I ordered it online and it was like $8 or something like that. And then I, then I saw a big stack on the store and it was like $12 or something like that. So this was my randomness. I usually don't tend to watch too many videos before. Um, I go and buy, as you know, amazing listeners. And Jonathan, of course, knows this. A lot of Kickstarters, and when I go to the stores, is more blindly than, than uh, uh, you know, appropriate research on the game, which I'm doing it the wrong way, so please don't do it the direct way. But um, this one, I actually, in this trip, I watched some videos, but this one, I didn't watch anything. Uh, and other than a quick how-to-play thing, but it was like three or four minutes. Uh, and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this will be a nice game the theme is different defi- is definitely above my alley and it's published by sorry we are french so uh we'll give it a try we'll give it a try it's a 2 to 4 players um it says 20 to 40 minutes on the box 14 year plus so we will give it a try soon and we will decide if if it stays on the um, on the shelves or uh you know if it goes away Anyway, a lot of games, a lot of games. And I'm going to let you start, Jonathan, with the first game of tonight. In that way, we just get into it. And we just get to the table. We start to have adventures we have to play. Uh, and this is what we love, talking about board games. Which one is the first one that you're into to the solo BG podcast table?
1: Well, I actually forgot um, mm-hmm. that I actually did. I did bring a solo game with us okay, on yeah. the trip. And I think I played that before um, anybody else was awake. So... Matter of it fact, is. is that the
2: one that I saw you with a small wallet? You were in the living room, and I was waking up like at nine a.m. I was yes. still asleep. and then I saw Caleb like coming out of the shower too, like almost like what's going on. But then I turn and I see you playing solo, and I was like, okay, this is super random. What's happening? Uh, so yeah, uh-huh.
1: Um, so it's called Unsurmountable. It was one of the button shy kickstarters from last year. Okay. Um, solo only, um, designed by Scott Alms. Um, but it is one where, um, you know, like all their other games, it's, it's an 18 card deck. You get in a little wallet. Um, I got a couple little expansions with it. I haven't tried, but the premise is you're building a path from the base camp of a mountain to the peak. So you're trying to build this, um, four level, almost like a four level pyramid or mountain. And as you go up, you have to connect the trail and, um, either play a card or you can use an ability on one of the base camp cards that can let you rearrange the mountain or, Um, you know discard a card and replace it things like that Um, but it's it's almost like a a solo puzzle where you're trying to figure out how to get from the bottom to the top and connect this path before you run out of cards that you can use and um, when I started it I'm like this seems very easy you are getting the cards and you can rearrange them and um, connect these paths and then I got towards the top and I'm like I don't have anything that's going to line up correctly to get to the top (laughs) so then that's where you have to kind of figure out how to use special abilities and use some of the um the base camp cards to figure it out but you know i think once i kind of got the rules down it took about 10 minutes to play so it's definitely a nice little filler solo game um mm-hmm. and you, you can take it anywhere since it's just in one of those little button shy wallets
2: yeah and what was the name again just to have it for our mission listeners
1: it's unsurmountable
2: unsurmountable okay uh, and what will be your rating for that little wallet solo game? It seems like it almost feels like the Palm Island one, which I have it. Uh, you know, everything fits in a wallet, um, and those are cool because you can bring them anywhere. And I think, like, actually, I play Palm Island uh, on an airplane last time, and and it was it was cool. You know, it was manageable. So this one seems like it's probably uh, suitable for similar situations, right?
1: Yeah, I would think so. Um, usually, when I travel, I'll bring some of the button shy games a lot of them are two player solo so i could play it either by myself or with my wife but mm-hmm. um i think i would give it a, a seven like i don't know if i would play it at home um solo since there's more options that are a little bit more engaging but okay. i definitely think it's a good travel um one that you can just throw in your bag mm-hmm. um i'm looking on bgg it looks like seven is the average rating as well so okay. definitely a good game and it's good good one to have um but not a solo game that you know i would I would play very often Maybe just a couple of times a year during travel.
2: And what is, what is usually the price on, on these games are usually what? Like very cheap, right? Like 10, 15 bucks probably. Would you think?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember, but I think it was about $10 and I added the two expansions. So probably with all of that in shipping at the time, um, maybe $25 for the whole thing.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and you know, you're going out of the line, my friend, because you're saying that you will give it a seven where you know that here we go, zero to five. And, I don't know if you mean that it's, it's it surpasses the excellency on a board game, or no. probably <laughs> probably was more like I well, just more of my BGG rating. So yeah.
1: here it probably be I don't know, like maybe a, a three or three point
2: five. Yeah, three point five. Well, that's that's. I should give it a try. I might I might borrow it from you and just to you know I have a, a trip coming soon to Texas, so I might just borrow it and, and give it a try on the plane and see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, there you go. There you have it. More wallet games because we cannot get enough from those. Now, the other one, the other game that I'm going to talk about, it's a very um a unique game, which once again, it's right up my alley on, on, on theme wise. And I'm talking about a game that is designed by Martin Wallace, which I'm, became, I'm becoming a huge fan recently as I play more of his games. Uh, so, and this game it's Rocket Man, and I'm not talking about the game based on the John Lennon song. I'm talking about that game that is based more like in a SpaceX kind of way in NASA where we're trying to you know deploy uh multiple rockets to the moon to the uh you know, also to the Earth. Why not? We want to go to the atmosphere and come back and land successfully. And we also want to go to Mars eventually. So that's what I'm talking about here, Rocket Men. Jonathan, you probably have good memories of this game since since we played it on the trip.
1: I do, although. Um... I think my memory also tells me that it was an Elton John song, not a John Lennon song. I <laughs> just don't was, want any oh, Beatles fans did, to get
2: mad at you. <laughs> did, did I say John Lennon? Oh, my goodness. And, and, and yeah. it, it, I'm sorry. And you know what it is? I mean, I'm a huge, and we had this discussion on the trip. I'm a huge um, John Lennon. You're the music person. <laughs> yeah, John Lennon, Beatles fan. Also, of course, the king, Elvis Presley, which we had a conversation as well. I almost almost had a heart attack during during our trip because some accusations and statements from from one of our friends. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Elton John, Rocketman. Uh, so it's not a game about Elton John. It's actually going to space anyway. What are we trying to do in Rocketman? Well, I'm gonna try to put it very easy uh and very straightforward. It's a deck building game, simple as that, and I know Jonathan likes deck building games and this is definitely a deck building game, but with a very uh limited feeling of what of what you can do and what you can buy, meaning to get better cards for your for your deck right so you're kind of limited and also some some type of i guess push on that way that you want to think very clearly when you have the resources to buy cards very clearly and very um, uh smart which cards you want to purchase because this game it probably won't allow you to do so many too many mistakes because if you do then you will be kind of like in a loop where you're gonna gonna have to find any exit. So at least on that way, I think it's thematic. Whereas you know, if you're trying to uh, launch a mission to, uh, you know, to the Earth or Moon or, or or Mars, well, you have to think very carefully and try to calculate almost everything very precisely. In that way, your odds for success will be increased. What are we gonna be doing? Well, once again, a think building card. So on your turn. You're going to get your hand of cards. You're going to start with 12 uh, cards on your deck. You're going to draw six. And then you're going to be playing those cards to buy more cards. And the cards will have either a currency that they have a value, right? So it could be $10, $20, whatever. And with those $10, $20, you can, you can buy more cards. And the idea of the game is that you're going to be eventually using some of those cards to launch missions. So you're going to choose from your cards. You may have a rocket that can go to earth, moon or or mars and you're going to play it as a mission. So you're going to put it on the side of your tableau, you're going to discard $10 to afford that mission, and then eventually you're going to be trying also to play some rockets from your hand from your cards uh into the onto the deploy area or the mission area where you're trying to fulfill the requirement of rockets, the amount of rockets that the mission requires, I'm sorry. And once you are able to get that amount of rockets, well then you will be uh, able to launch your mission. But of course, uh, there's also going to be uh, certain things that they're going to kind of like mitigate your um, your path towards success in a way. So depending on where you want to go, either to Earth, uh, Moon, or Mars, you have certain um, technologies that will help you uh, to improve your odds, right? So for example, Earth will be microchips. Uh, Moon will be some, some sort of like, uh, you know, kind of like a scientific lab, uh, chemicals or, or, or medications or whatever you want to call it. And then uh, to Mars, it will be DNA, right? So uh, also those symbols, you will find them on your cards. And it's important that you try to put them on your mission side. And that way, once again, you improve your odds of success. That's the deck building part of the game. And as soon as you're ready to launch your mission, then another mechanic comes in play in the game, which... We're going to talk about a little bit in my impressions, but which it could be the trigger for some people to not like the game. Because once you launch the mission, you're going to first advance on a track that you're trying to you know, achieve in order to go to Earth, Moon, or Mars. You're going to advance a certain number of spaces if you have the technology for the planet that you are deciding to to deploy the mission to. And at that point, you're going to have a deck of cards in the middle of the table that they're going to go all the way from 0 to 4. There's like I believe like two zeros and then like three or four ones, uh three twos and two threes, and let's say two or three four, something like that. And those those are probably not accurate numbers, but you you get the idea. At that point, that deck is gonna be shuffle, and then you're gonna reveal one card after the other, depending on where you're going. So just to give you an example, the To go to the Earth, it will have to be a track of 10 spaces, right? So let's say you were able to play two microchip cards before you start the mission. That means that you will advance already two spaces on the track. That's it. You just need need eight more to to achieve your mission. So you're going to reveal one card. And it could be a one or a two. Well, guess what? You advance two more spaces. Then the next card, well, that's a three. Well, three more spaces. Then the third card, well, you get a one. Well, you're almost there. You're one space away. And then you're going to reveal the four card if you're going to Earth, and that's when bad things can happen. Because if you reveal a zero, well, thematically, the rocket didn't make it, a microchip didn't work, guess whatever you want to guess, and the, the rocket exploded. And everything that you work on or your deployment zone gets discarded, and now you have to build again on future rounds. On the other hand, if you decide to abort, there's something there's some less penalization. I guess that if you abort at a certain time, well, you at least you don't lose the whole mission, and you just lose certain cards that will allow you to kind of like come back right away on the next round, hopefully. Uh, or you can just risk it, and if you're able to be successful to your mission, well, then you're gonna land either a rocket or a satellite or or or, or something like that in the planet that you on the orbit of the planet that you're trying to to go. And that will give you some victory points. Also, there are some cards that they're going to be called the Thread cards that you can buy on the main, uh, I guess, market, uh, which they will give you also victory points. And the game is going to be playing in this way, in this fashion, I guess, until someone reaches, uh, you know, a determined number of points according to the number of players. I think it was in a three-player game, it was twenty-two points or twenty-five victory points. So as soon as someone uh, reach that threshold, will then tra- triggers the end of the game, we get one more round, and that's it now, the production of the game, I think is it, it's great, I really like um, you know, what I get, the board, it's very, you know, standard quality board, the tokens, I mean very, you know, normal, neutral uh, cardboard tokens, uh, and um, you get the cards which they are American size uh, you know, if you go through Game Genic they will be the green ones um, uh, standard size, and you know, they're normal quality. I mean, and it, it is not the best, but it's also not the worst. I anyways leave all my games or most of my games. So so that I just wanted to put it out there, right? Like You don't expect like an excellency of quality on cards, but also not anything like it's going to be awful. So it's up to you if you want to sleep. Now, I have to say that if we compare the retail version versus the Kickstarter version, you get to see, uh, you know, a bunch of upgrades, uh, and it's just visuals. Nothing that affects the gameplay, it's just visuals. So, for example, I got the retail version, it was on a sale in one of the online game, uh, um, gaming stores, and I got the game like for 22 bucks, and then on our trip, I was able to uh, purchase the, um, you know, uh, all the, the neoprene mat, uh, the personal mats as well, and I got the minis, and it really improved the the visuals of the game. But you don't need them as well. You can play, you know, if you like, with the tokens. Um, and and that's it. That's basically the whole game. Once again, I think that the production. You definitely see a difference if you win the Kickstarter, because the Kickstarter you will get all these extras, and if you just go to retail, you will get you will get just the cardboard, uh, and, and that's it. But once again, you can still play the game. Um, I think in my impressions that you know it's a solid game. It definitely has that Martin Wallace-ish feeling to what I have played from him. Uh, but it does feel very limited on your turns. It does feel like if you don't do the right decisions, you can, uh, you know, fall in a loop that, like I mentioned, there's there's not going to be a way out or it's going to be very hard to bounce back. And one thing that really can push or turn people away I think it's a push-your-luck aspect. Personally, for me, I don't care too much. I enjoy it. But it has a very annoying thing that every time that you go into a mission, you have to shuffle that deck of cards again and then draw. Uh, I feel like tokens would it be better and just draw tokens from your bag. And, you know, you can do that In that way you have to shuffle. Actually, I'm trying to get some of those through Etsy just for when we play the game again. You know, you don't have that annoyingness, I guess, of big shuffling a lot. Uh, especially the 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 mission cards Uh, and it has a solo mode on the solo mode well you go into an adversary and he's basically playing with an automa deck and he keeps advancing all the time towards moon or or uh, mars in to get victory points Uh, before i i pass the mic to jonathan if you would ask me derek do you want to do you rather play this game solo or competitive um i think both ways but it has a very solid solo mode So what I'm trying to say is that if you like Martin Wallace's games, if you like a space theme, if you don't care about push or lock mechanics, and you like deck building, I think this is a game, if you're a solo player, that you need to try. uh, Because it, 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 it works slightly different than competitive. Competitive, you can have an awesome experience, and everything can be very fun, but it also could be a very annoying thing, where, uh, you know, people are pushing their luck and everything just keeps failing and failing and failing. And at some point, you just want to flip the table. So I just wanted to put it out there. Uh, My impressions in total, I think I give this game a solid 3.5. Right now, on BGG has a 6.9 rating. Uh, it was released in 2021, once again, designed by Martin Wallace. One to four players, 30 to 90 minutes, 14-year-old plus. Uh, and uh, the language dependence, well, it is because you need to be reading all the abilities that you will be finding on the cards. Jonathan, you also play Rocket Man. Tell me your impressions.
1: Um, I think it was somewhat similar. Um, I think I gave it maybe a 3 or 3.5 overall. Um, I do like Deck Builders. And, um, I did like that aspect of this, although I feel like, I mean, it did ha- have the other aspect of getting the points from the mission launches and things. So the deck building wasn't the primary objective for winning, but, um, I feel like some of the cards, like there were very similar cards or, um, you know, repeat abilities. And like you said, sometimes it's just hard to afford the cards. Um, and so like for me specifically, like I didn't jump on like some of the, of the engine cards that help you um, complete missions quicker and get to those required uh, requirements for engines um, like you guys did. So I was behind on that. Um, but when I looked at the scores, just to refresh, like it was still very close.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think I did more of the, just like the deck building part of it and yeah. got a lot more of those threat cards completed, which also give you victory points. So I think at least if you get stuck where you can't build up for missions as quickly um, you can still get victory points the other way and try to to catch up that way because um, I feel like you guys are going on missions at least like one of you every turn um, but I think the biggest downside like you mentioned was that the luck with the um, with that deck and for whatever reason I think there was one or I think you were right there were two zeros and I think like one four and the zeros just came up so many times <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which it didn't, like I said, it didn't impact me as much because I didn't go on as many missions. But like you guys would go on a mission every turn, and you just have to like be prepared for that zero to and and be have a backup plan in case you fail. Yeah. Um, I will say with this one compared to some other ones, and um, even probably what we'll talk about later with Return to Dark Tower. Like I think it took us about an hour and a half. Yeah. And I think it felt longer than that. Like I think because um some of us got stuck in that loop of not being able to really do a whole lot on your turn or mm-hmm. spend a couple of turns to build up for a mission and then potentially fail yeah. i think that made the game feel longer even though it wasn't that long of a game
2: yeah i wonder um you know when we play again if it will be that long since now that we know the different routes that we can take because you're right i didn't mm-hmm. mention there's a main market where you can buy a certain amount of rockets that they also give you currency and they're very powerful. They, I think they call engines or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and they really help you to boost up sooner in the game and try to launch missions. Um, but um, I wonder if it will be the same because li- listening to other reviewers, um, you know, I I I got the impression that some of them they were saying that the game was actually short and it didn't allow them to to build the engine as they were trying to. So I wonder if we play it again, if, if that will be the same outcome. But it was def- definitely annoying. I mean, uh, we, we both remember, like, you know, Caleb was playing, and it was 90% of his missions, I would dare to say, they were failure. I mean, so every time he was almost, like, prepared mentally <laughs> to failure, even if he was like, oh, I'm going on a mission, well, draw, zero. That's it, that board. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and for some reason, I mean, it's, it's a decent size of deck, but the zero kept coming and coming and coming like crazy.
1: You would think, for being a close-up magician, he would be better at stacking the deck, though, to be uh, a little bit more <laughs> successful in his card draws.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess we can tell that uh, it's a proof that he doesn't cheat, you know, because he true. Be those things. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I, I want to buy the token and see because that's very annoying shuffling the card. But anyway, that was uh, Rocket Men, and you know, let's keep moving to the next game right now.
1: So the next game I want to talk about, I think I mentioned it maybe in the Christmas time or end of year episode is just kind of like one of my surprises or honorable mentions from last year.
2: You know what? Um, That's my favorite episode because for some reason, well, I I know the reason why people, you know, we tend to love the top lists and stuff The the last uh, episode of the year, it's always the most listening through, you know, when we go through our top list and honorable mentions and all that stuff. And I kind of recall that you mentioned this game too, actually, but you didn't, I don't feel like you went in, in depth. And, of course, we have played more now after that. But anyway, go for it.
1: Um, so this one is Maglev Metro. Um, it's from Bezier Games, designed by Ted Allspock. Um And it is a game where you are um, designing these um, Metro rails. In the base box, you either get uh, Manhattan or Berlin. Um, but everybody has their little um, Metro car. And it's basically just a pick-up-and-deliver game but it's in a setting where you start off and all of your workers are um, different types of robots and they help you build this engine in different ways um, where your end goal is to start picking up um, actual passengers that are different colors, uh, meeples and bring them back to your board to get victory points for the end of the game. Um, So we've played both mats. Now Um, the Manhattan mat is more, um, more of an intro more basic. It's got a central hub, that makes it easier to deliver some of the robots um, to add them to your board. Um, Cause what you'll do is um, when you build up your engine, you can build tracks and um, go to different stations and pick up the meatballs. You have to bring them back to the matching color station um, for their color. And then you can drop them off there and that's how you get to them to your board. So it helps you unlock other stations. It can give you extra actions. Um, they can boost up your um, engine with the robots and then um, give you the end game scoring and access to some of the extra end game scoring cards. Um, so while you're doing that, you're building these um, Metro rails. And in this game, they give you acrylic tiles. So it's got your color on there, um, but they are offset. So if I play my blue tiles, um, you'll see the blue line, but Derek can play his orange ones on top and it's offset. So uh, almost like when you're in a subway and you can see the different color lines, um, they can all go on the same line together and you can build, Metro rails, um, you know, along with other players. So it's very cool to look at that way. And it's got nice components with the little meeples and um, the little train cars that you'd have. Um, And so this time we played the Berlin side where it doesn't have that central hub. So it's definitely a little bit more strategic where you build the specific stations, um, where you build your route, because you can definitely either get kind of um, sectioned off into a certain area where you won't have access to everything, or you may just have to kind of pick you know, one or two different colors of um, passengers to pick up and focus on those, and you can't really spread out as much as on the Manhattan side. So I think I definitely, I I liked it the first time and when I demoed it at Gen Con, but I think I liked it more having played it again and playing on the more difficult map. I think it made more decisions for us and made it um, a little bit more of a challenge to figure out the best way to go. Um, But it's definitely one that I still enjoy playing um, it's definitely cool visually, and it's um, I like the theme. I think it's really my only pickup and deliver game. I don't know if that's necessarily a theme that I love, but I like how they do it. Mm-hmm. And I love Metro. Um, and I don't know if it's still going, but there was a I think it was on Kickstarter, maybe Gamefound. But there's expansions coming where there's multiple maps that add different mechanisms. Um, so there's one I think where you go onto the moon. There's one where you can unlock mechs that give you different abilities. I think there's a London and Paris um so i could almost see this being like ticket to ride where you get different maps that do some things different but still use the same core mechanisms um just to make the gameplay a little different each time um so i'm definitely excited for that and hopefully we'll get some more plays out of it i know you can play it solo i have not done that yet oh. um, but i think it's one of those solos where you just try to optimize your route you have a certain number of turns and you try to get the best score that you can
2: you never told me that, and actually, <laughs> as I'm reviewing now the BGG, um, uh, facts. Actually, once again, I don't know if you mentioned this 7.3 right now on BGG, which I think is low. Because, uh, what would you rate this game on? And I will tell you my impressions in a little bit.
1: I think, like, if we go off of that scale, I think on BGG, I have it like at an eight or 8.5. Um, okay. probably for our five point, I would do, um, probably with the base game, probably a four, I think with more plays and more maps, probably a 4.5. Once yeah. those come out.
2: Yeah. My experience with this game, and I want to mention this, I love the, even it's a very, it's thematic, but at the same time, abstract art, I guess, in a way. Um, I really like it. And it was, the artist from this game is Alana Kelsey and Olin in Tim. Uh, I know there was some issues with the color of the maples, they were very similar since they use metallic colors, but then you got some upgrades, I think, or some some replacements, had, right?
1: Yeah, they they had replacements because um, the copper and gold were kind of hard to see, especially when the light hits them. So the copper ones are darker now, so it stands out more. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the expansions from the Kickstarter, they actually have, um, I think, they're screen printed meeples. So like each different type or color of meeple will have um, like some white art on there to show whatever they're profession is or what type of robot they are so it'll make it a lot easier that way too to figure out which ones are which when those expansions come out with the new meeples
2: yeah and and i'm look as i'm looking through some pictures actually from our from our playthrough uh the game is is it looks beautiful like one has all those acrylic tiles placed on the board and you have the different you know train lines because it's supposed to be the metro or the train from the future i mean it looks beautiful on the table definitely has that 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 big of a presence um, You know, with my experience with this game, uh, we played it one time, the first time actually, on Jonathan's house. And I'm going to be honest, like I was with Jonathan b- before and he knows this. The first time I played it, I was like, well, it's okay. Um, You know, I got the experience, I'm fine if I don't play it again. Kind of like those were my th- my thoughts around my head. Uh And I remember like thinking, well, if I have to rate this game, I will give it a 2.5 or something like that. But then I played it again, and this time I was like, "Okay, it was with a different map." And I was like, "You know what? It was probably that I didn't understand the mechanics of it before." Because yes, it's a pickup and delivery, but it has some um, kind of like mechanic of unlocking your your um, your stats in a way, your 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 engine in a way. You know that you have to place around different people, you have to pick up some people and deliver some people in order to improve. In the type of people that now you can transport and you can you know place on the board and and as you unlocking as you are unlocking those slots in a way you get to get uh, different more meeples, I get different colors and then with those you can increase the chances for victory points. There's also some personal goals that you get at the beginning of the game that can really boost you up at the end. Um, that you know as soon as soon as you're able to unlock those possibilities of scoring those personal goals then you can do even better on the game right there's also another track on your personal tableau when you can place meeples like crazy and if you play certain amount of meeples well you get more victory points there are on your tableau also some slots where you can place meeples to uh, increase the number of actions that you get during each turn because each turn you will get two actions that they could be you know build a, a, a build a route or, a, or a, uh, acrylic tile basically place it in the way you can try to build you know, a point A to point B situation. You can also, uh, you know, drop uh, someone, pick up someone, you know, deploy more meeples on the board. But in order to improve those actions, once again, you're going to be kind of like, I, it gives me the feeling, Jonathan, like kind of like building your engine on your own tableau. And then, yes, of course, the pickup in delivery will be probably the main action that you will be doing in order to improve that engine per se. Uh, second time I played it, I just loved it. I I I, I told Jonathan, you know, like, I don't know what it was the first time, probably that I didn't get a full understanding of how everything worked. But now that I did, I mean, I I just liked it a lot. I mean, for me, this game is a solid four. And the more I play it, the more I can see liking it and growing it. Actually, I think, and I dare to say that right now from your collection, Jonathan of Games, there's two games that I'm in love with. One, you know that it's Alien Frontiers, and the other one is definitely MacLeod Metro, um, you know another one was seven wonders architect but you know i was able to 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 get it but from games that i don't own those two games definitely have like a like a special you know uh, feeling for me from your collection um of course uh we're talking about also uh what's the other? catalyst it's another one that it's out of print now and i love but anyway uh this game it's a solid game and and you know it's also a game you were mentioning jonathan i think you bought it on gen con it seems mm-hmm. like this game, I mean, if you're not able to go into the campaign because either when this episode is released, you know, the campaign is over or whatever, the crowdfunding. Um, I, I feel like if you go to conventions, uh, you you call it uh, Origins or, or Gen Con or Essen or any of the packs or anything like that where the best year games go, I think you will be able to find a copy. And probably, who knows, probably the expansions as well. I mean, I don't feel like busier games are that hard to get their exclusives in a way right
1: yeah i know they have a thing on their website too where you can sign up and it's like five dollars a year and you get discounts and things mm-hmm. um, when you order from them but i mean this was just one that they had at gen con last year i hadn't really even heard of it but with gen con being so mm-hmm. um you know a lower capacity we could sit down and play a whole demo which was nice because then i i really liked the game and i don't i don't think i would have stopped for it if i hadn't had the time um uh, yeah, I think it'll be one that they'll have at future conventions. Um, so I don't, I don't think it'll be an issue getting it once it's more available. Um, yeah. I did pull up the Kickstarter and it looks like, um, yeah, it's just, it's going to end today. Okay. So,
2: so we um, are recording on, on May the 2nd. Uh, yeah. This episode might be released like eight days or 10 days from now. Uh, so, so yeah, probably when you listen to this episode, you know, the the crowdfunding is over. But, you know, who knows? Sometimes you can get access to to the late pledge or to pledge managers. Yeah. So um, so but this is definitely a game that I recommend checking it out. Now, I haven't tried the solo mode either. So, um, oh, man, I have the feeling that I'm going to purchase this on Gen Con. Uh, but I want you to try it first, Jonathan, and let me know if it's really worth the solo mode. Because um, if it's not, if it's just a multiplayer one, then you, you have a copy and there's no need for me yeah. you know, to jump in unless uh, my wife erica ended up like liking it a lot too uh but you know recently i've been i've been falling in, into trains a lot i feel like that's a theme that is really growing up on me uh, i talked on the last episode about switching signal uh ticket to ride of course which you know i enjoy um you know i really want to get into the trains uh, uh brass birmingham even if it's not a train game you have those trains that they connect their routes and and I don't know, it's something about the trains that now I'm getting kind of like a little bit obsessed with. Uh, so I wonder if I should get the futuristic train with Maglev Metro, but we'll see. That's that's another another topic for another episode. There you have it, my, uh, Maglev Metro. Uh, my score, like I say, it's a four, Jonathan. My four, it's 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 a four. Uh, what is your favorite thing in the game? What is the things that you don't like from the game?
1: I think my favorite thing, and I don't know if it necessarily comes across initially, but... Um... So normally you can, you get four end game scoring cards and you can only score one for free. Uh-huh. Um, so I think one of the things that you may not realize is that scoring is pretty low and pretty tight in the game. Um, like it may seem when you see the meeples out, oh, well, you know, you can fill out your row to get more points per pink meeple or more points per, um, line of track that you put down to connect your stations. Um, but you really can't do everything. So I think that's where the decisions come in, like what to focus on and how to optimize your engine to do that. Um, where I think last time you and I, you know, spent more time trying to unlock more end game scoring cards just because they work with what our strategies were. Um, but I think even our, our highest scores are somewhere between 25 and 30. So it's really not a lot. Um, and a lot of that comes from those end game cards that we unlock, but we could have done a totally different way. Um, yeah. So I think, kind of like what we said in Rocket men is that there's different ways to score on the track but it's not a high scoring game. Um and you just kind of have to figure out which way you want to go and just kind of dedicate your engine building and your strategy to that. So so I do like it especially now that I know that that's how it plays and yeah. it's, and you can't really optimize everything. Um in terms of things I don't necessarily like, um like you said they did update the colors so it's a little bit easier for players um, You know, say there could be times where you pick up the wrong color and don't realize it's gold or bronze, and that could mess up with, you know, your actions. Um, I'd say that's probably the main thing. Um, I think sometimes um, I I haven't played too many other ones, but um, like I've got Suburbia, which is another Bezier Ted Allspot game um, with the tile laying, and it's those hexagonal tiles. And while it looks really cool, they don't necessarily always line up perfectly, or like when you lay your Mm-hmm. acrylic tile on the other one it's not always going to be perfect so um functionally it, it looks cool but like you know it may not be perfect to fit on that that hexagonal space um not it's not that big of a deal but um that'd probably be the only critique if you're trying to place those tiles so it looks really cool with the metro line it do- just doesn't always work out and you just kind of have to Go with it, and you know what it's supposed to be, so <laughs>
2: yeah. just keep playing. Yeah, and, and production wise, I think it's it's outstanding, honestly. Like, I, I don't have any complaints. And once again, I remember the first game, the colors were kind of like different, and you know, but at the same time, very similar. But then mm. once you got the replacement, they were very cool. So, I, I definitely recommended MacLev Metro, you know, just to give it a try. And I can't wait for the solo mode and, and get your experience. And I'm all, I might watch, I might start to watch some videos in the solo mode too to get a, a better idea. But that was MacLev Metro. Um, moving moving on to another game. Uh, this is another game that I got uh, from Pondesaurus Games. I bought it. They didn't send it for review or anything like that. Um, it was a game that I, I saw some videos of it, but at the same time, the theme, I loved it, which it was... Animals and space, once again. I'm going to go with space for for a few episodes. Uh, and I'm talking about wild space. And the, it's a small box. Honestly, it's like probably like a 7-inch by 7-inch uh, small box. Um, and the first thing that popped up is this bear in a spacesuit looking at the horizon. And for some reason, it really brought me back to the awesome years where I was playing uh, SNES... Or uh, Nintendo 64, and I was playing one of my favorite games ever, which is has been Star Fox. Um, you know, it, it kind of gave me that vibe. So it's not at all like Star Fox. First of all, let me begin. If you're if you are thinking that this is Star Fox, the board game is not uh, Wild Space. It's a fun abstract game. By in reality, I mean it has a cool theme and it has a cool illustrations, uh, but it's not. Um, you know, a thematic game. And I will give you the specifications right now from BGG. 7.3 right now uh, on the rating. It was released in 2020. Uh, explore a new galaxy full of treasures and mysteries using card combos. 1 to 5 player. It has a solo mode. 15 to 40 minutes playtime. I will talk about that in a little bit. HT 10 Euro plus. Uh, You can play this game with anyone. That's that's one of the pros that I will mention as well. Uh, It has some language dependence, and it's not a a heavyweight uh, game by any means. So what are we going to do on uh, Wild Space, my friends and Jonathan? Well, this is a set collection game, uh, in a way. So you're going to have two planets where you can go at the beginning, and you're going to have, I think it's five or six ships, spaceships that you're going to start with. And the planets will have different regions. First of all, they're going to divide left, from left to right. And on each of those regions, they will have different actions that you can trigger by landing first and then by exploring. The bottom part of the planet will be to land, and the top part of the, of the planet will be to explore. On your turn, you're going to start with a few cards on your hand, and you're going to have three cards on the main market on your turn, you can land one ship on a planet or if you have a ship already on a planet, you can move it up uh, in that way you can explore. Once you place a ship on a planet, that's it. That ship is gone. So basically these ships can just land and explore and that's it. They're gone for the game. Uh, but when you land, you can do actions sort of like play a card from your from your hand or draw three cards. You know, very simple. Or, or do certain abilities. So we're all going to start with the captain that he will have a veteran track as well that as you advance that on that veteran track, you can draw more cards or at the end gain a certain amount of victory points. So on your turn, you're going to be playing your cards, and you have different types of cards. You have the robots, which they will only give you uh, you know, victory points, uh, and they will uh, help you to be also some suits in order to for you to make some combos with your cards. Also, you're going to have the emissaries, which they... Uh, you're going to use them to complete certain missions. For example, as you play one emissary, they will tell you, well, you score for victory points if you place a robot uh, of this color and, you know, uh, computer technology of this color. Which all the cards will have different suits that you can be kind of like matching to do certain abilities. And also, you can play more crew members, which they are like all the different animals with spacesuits, which they look fantastic uh you know to do certain combos because in order to, when once you play some of those cards as soon as you play them either they're going to ask you for a requirement of a suit to play it or or a type of card to play it or to discard a card from your hand to play it but once you play them they usually going to trigger another combo action which it will be most likely to play another a certain card from a certain type so that's the way that you're going to be able to to uh, you know uh play cards on your tableau in a way Uh, like I said, you're going to be landing a ship, then exploring. As soon as you get uh, a certain number of cards, then you're going to be able to unlock another planet. I believe it's uh, four cards, you unlock another planet. Then six cards, you unlock another planet. Nine cards, you unlock another planet. And of course, all of these planets will have different abilities that you can do for landing and exploring. As soon as uh, someone, uh, you know, places, uh, you know, his uh his or her uh, last uh spaceship do the landing action then the, another round then as soon as that person explore with the last spaceship meaning that they won't have any other actions for the game uh at that point one more round in that way we all get equal amount of rounds and the game ends and how are we going to score well you're going to score point uh basing first on sets if you are able to get three uh of the same animals let's say three bears Uh, You know, which, once again, they will come with spacesuits, so that's an extra. Uh, You will get five victory points, and then you're going to get an extra five for every extra animal that you're able to feed on that set. Another way of scoring points will be by the emissaries. If they fulfill their missions, then you're going to score victory points. Also by the robots, which they usually just give you straightforward victory points. You can get victory points from them. And also from your veteran track, you can get victory points as well. And at the end of the game, whoever gets the most points is the winner. And if there's a tie, uh, whoever has more cards on the tableau is the winner. And I think if after that there's still a tie... Uh, then the players share the victory, which that's never fun unless it's a game that requires a lot of tension. But anyway, that's Wild Space. Very, very fun game, very quick game. I tried the solo mode. It's fun. It's more like a training thing. I played two players with uh, Erica, my wife, and she actually loved the game. And one of the reasons why she loved the game is because it was fast, because the art is cool, and because it took us in every session no more than 20 minutes. Uh, and it's one of those games that, going back to the impressions of what we were talking about Rocket I we we both agree that it was like, man, I want to do more stuff, but I'm limited because that's it. I mean, I only get five to six ships, and that's it. Like, I don't get anything else. So, you know, one action this turn you play, the other action you play, the other action you play. I mean, and it it, it has it works, of course, as a, as a as a timer. But at at some point you're like, oh man, I want to play these cards in my hand to get these points, but get what? Guess what? You don't have any more ships to land, and probably just a few more to explore, and that's it. So you really have to think through the order that you place your card in order to trigger those combos to be able to play more cards on your tableau. So it's it's a fun game, you know. It, I think it's a game that is it's convenient to. You know, especially right now for the summer, where uh you know, we, we can we like to go to breweries or we like to go hiking or, or or even camping, you know, things like that. I mean it's it's small box that you can bring, you know, even on a barbecue with friends, you can take it outside on the on the backyard. Any anybody can play it, honestly. I feel I feel like this game is also one of those gateways games that you know, if you can play it with non-gamers, you can play it with gamers. Uh, And they're all going to have fun. And the components are nice. You know, I mean, the the, the spaceships are are, are, uh, wooden, uh, basically, maples. Um, You know, the cars are good quality. The art, I mean, as we are getting used from Pandasaurus, they do a very good job art-wise. We know this for a fact. And I feel like Pandasaurus usually has a certain level of security as far as, decent games at least i mean i i don't recall any game from pandasaurus being like terribly bad i don't recall at the same time any game that i've been like oh man this is five out of five from pandasaurus but i think i think it's a very solid publisher as far like their uh, their games are usually gonna fit for me in a category between three or four like they're gonna be there you know switching back and forth uh for me Wild Space is a 3.5 um, You know, if 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 you ask me, Derek, should I get it just for solo? No, I don't think so. Uh, Derek, should I get it? You know, to play with my significant other with friends. Definitely, I think I think it's it's a game worth getting it, and it's it also because the price range I think is somewhere between twenty twenty five American dollars, so it's not that crazy. So if you have this accessibility of trying of getting a copy, definitely I think is worth it. Once again, not exclusively for solo, but to play it with with someone else or with a group of friends uh so that was wild space i i I feel like you mentioned to me jonathan in the past that you've been wanting to try this one
1: i have and it was just one that i didn't get a chance to demo at gen con Mm -hmm. um i think was it caleb that had the i think caleb had a bad demo of it so all (laughs) i knew was from what uh, he had said but um kind of like you mentioned um i usually at least give any new Pandasaurus game a look mm-hmm. um, to see if it seems like it be interesting, um, you know, either because of the art, as you mentioned, um, or just uh, some of the games like, we, you know, we both have my um, like dinosaur world, mm-hmm. uh, like dinosaur Island. We've got the Roar and right. I feel like all those would kind of be in the higher end of their games um, in terms of ratings. But even um, I think one that we all have is that God's loves dinosaurs, which is yeah. a little bit lighter. Um, mm-hmm. so that's a good one. Um, but they at least do a solid job. So I always want to check out their games. And that was just one that I never got a chance to check out. Um, But I think last year at Gen Con that came out in the loop. And um, so I ended up playing the loop and I just never got back to wild space.
2: Yeah. And it was like, you're right. It was released in 2020 and that will be another subject for our future Gen Con episode right after Gen Con or even some one that we can do before with our expectations. But you know, the implications of a bad demo. Because you and I witnessed a terrible demo, probably the most terrible demo on a on a game. And it's a game that I that I own and I love. And I'm talking about right now, let me read it because I forget uh Monster Slaughter. Um and when you and I we did the demo, I mean it was terrible, like terrible. Uh and also the same thing happened with um Crusaders that I will be done. It's a fantastic game, but the demo was awful. So it will be interesting at some point to talk about the implications of a bad demo, right? And 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 how really can push us away from probably getting a nice, solid, very fun game. So we'll see. We'll see as as we're getting closer to GenCon. Which other game are you bringing tonight, Jonathan? Before we jump into the to the big one, to the big one of the night.
1: Um, one that I can mention. Um quickly i can't remember if we've talked about this before but um Mm -hmm. it is a panasaurus game i just mentioned it and it's the loop oh yeah Um, it's actually one that caleb got at gen con last year Mm -hmm. Um, but it is a um, cooperative game Mm -hmm. and basically what you're trying to do is um, everybody has their own character Um, you have asymmetric player abilities and you're going around to these different zones and you're trying to stop um i think it's dr foe and what he is doing is he's um, either putting his clones out into different areas that you have to return to their own timeline. Um, and um, I think one of the main gimmick, um, you know, things with the game is it has a little dice or cube tower in the middle. So when he adds threat to the different timelines, you drop a certain amount of cubes in there and it shoots them out into potentially three different places. Um, and you have to deal with those threats. So um It's definitely a good cooperative game. I have not played this one solo either, but I like that it plays fairly quickly. And um, I I just like the way it works. So um, on your turn, you you can move around. You have a hand of three cards, so it's sort of a deck builder, but you don't really build that much. Um, But each character has certain cards that have um, different suits or symbols on there. And um, on a turn, you get to play all of your cards and, um, there are green cubes that you can put out there that either let you move further or, um, you can do what they call, um, the loop. And so when you use the green cube, you can loop and it basically resets your cards, um, of a certain suit. So, um, ideally you're trying to build your deck and collect cards each round that, um, have matching symbols and that way you can optimize and have a bigger turn, um, on the board. So that's the main, um, thing that you're trying to do. And, um, I don't think we've run into it, but um, it's kind of like pandemic where you're trying to manage the cubes and trying to prevent things from blowing up. And in this case, it creates a vortex where it takes the tile away and it takes away one of your um, objectives that you could potentially complete to end the game and win the game. Um, So that that has that aspect, but I didn't feel like there was as much of the alpha player um, that you've talked about before, Derek, with pandemic with this one. Um, I think because it maybe has that other deck building mechanism, um, you have a little bit more flexibility and there's more options to do. Um, I think certain turns did have, you know, this is the best thing for me to do in my turn if I can. Um, but it wasn't like that every turn and, and we had, um, you know, different paths that we could go to complete the same objective. Um, so I think that was nice and you got a little bit more autonomy, um, you know, playing your turn and trying to figure out, um, how to do the loop or it's possible to loop multiple times just... Cost more resources, um, but I think those were always very fun to have that turn where it pays off, where you can move, do your actions, loop, move again, do you know actions again, move, loop, and do it again. Where you can do it almost you know three or four times, yeah. And where one player can set that up for the next player um, to have a big turn and to complete an objective was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and actually, this game... Um, so, here are, here are my thoughts, and I'm going to read just really quickly through the BGG. 7.9 over there, re- released in 2020. Rank overall, 1,176. Uh, 1 to 4 players, 60 minutes average time. I think it was close to what we play uh, over there. Um, is language dependence, of course, because of the text. And uh 12-year-old plus. Um, my experience with this game has been only once. The production seems fantastic. It's great. You know how you drop the... The the cubes and they fall into different sections uh, of the board. It definitely has that feeling of a pandemic-ish game. Um, But in my experience, at least, um, it wasn't a hard game per se. So we were very lucky of, of the way that things evolved. But at the same time, I feel like my character that I choose, I didn't get to do too much of an action other than moving, helping you guys to go to different areas. And and I guess in a way, it was thematic. I think my my, my character was called Mr. Time, which he basically allowed us to go back in time, you know, and try to move you guys back in time and, and try to fit some minions here and there. Not as many as I wished, but, you know, do, do some things here and there. Um, it gives me the impression that Yes, it can go in a way that alpha player won't be there just because it's gonna be a lot going on. But at the same time, I feel like once again it, it it can be there if that makes sense, right? Um so I feel like this game I wanna give it a try solo because I think I will like it more. And also I feel like it's one of those games that I will like it solo or two players. I don't know if I will enjoy it three or four players. But I think so. One or two player might be the sweet spot, at least for me. And, and so far, with my experience, I rate. I will probably rate the game at three point five. Which, once again, uh, being aware that I only play it once, um, and that uh, it was late on the night as well, and uh, you know, I want to try it solo. I feel like solo it might bump bump up my score a little bit, probably towards four, because it definitely seems like a very solid, good game. And once again, the components are great. I really like the art on the cards. Uh, I really like the like the production on the game, the tiles, the 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 little tower that represents the the Doctor Evil. I guess that was his name, uh, or it wasn't it. That was the Austin Powers character. No, was this guy Doctor Evil? No, this is Dr. Foe. Dr. Also, Foe. don't, get him,
1: don't <laughs> get him confused with Professor Evil from Professor Evil in the Citadel of Time.
0: That's it's also you, not the it. Austin Powers <laughs> character.
2: I'm mixing John Lennon with Elton John, uh, Austin Powers with uh, the Dr. Foe, and then... What was the other board game that you mentioned? Oh, <laughs> the, P- Professor the Evil and the Citadel and Time. And Citadel <laughs> <laughs> Time. Yeah, that's another <laughs> game. I, I'm, I'm creating a whole... I guess because this is Doctor Strange week, uh, so I'm creating a whole sure. mul- multiverse here on the board gaming universe. Are you excited for the movie, actually? I'm, let me ask you this, since you're a big Marvel guy.
1: I am. I'm going for, I've got tickets for Friday.
2: Okay, I should, I should go and check it out. You know, there's a, a couple movies that I want to see. The Northman. It's another one that I'm dying to see. Um uh, Moon Knight. Moon Knight as well. I mean, I know it's your favorite Marvel character. I call the Batman Marvel. Or the yeah, Batman he has
1: the season finale or I guess series finale is Wednesday. Yeah. So, are you excited? up.
2: Are you excited? I, I watched the first uh, four episodes already, it's- and it's awesome.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it.
2: Yeah. So if you haven't watched it, Amazing Friends, please give it a try. Moon Knight. Anyway, we are reaching that part of the episode where we're going to talk about the big game. The game that we were waiting to talk about, which is the Kickstarter that it right now is the hotness, and that besides Arc Nova, of course, and that um, everybody is trying to get their hands on, or most of um, a lot of listeners and a lot of backers out there that are still waiting on their copies. And the story behind is that uh, we were on a trip to St. Louis again, uh, and you know. From the three of us, I wanted to get a copy. Kelly wanted to get a copy. Jonathan was like, well, "I don't care. Uh, you guys can get it. I play with you guys." And we even played different jokes about, "Hey, Kelly, if there's only one copy, what are we gonna do to get it?" Now, I'm not gonna mention the joke that we said that how we were going to determine who were, who the winner was. This is a family show, Derek. <laughs> this is a family show. That's right. <laughs> uh, and, and the dice tower never wouldn't allow us to say this, but uh, you know. Uh, but we were, we were we were trying to see you know jugging like okay how are we gonna get it how we gonna who is gonna get this game um, days go by uh, and we buy another games we didn't see a copy but then on Saturday uh, we go to one of the locations over there in St Louis and we see about four to five copies on a gaming table and at that point we just you know. Buy two copies, and we were able to convince Jonathan to get another copy because it was actually the Kickstarter version of the game. I will give you the spoiler right now before we jump into the game that this is one of the ones that I regret not going into the Kickstarter. So, if you, my friend, went into the Kickstarter and used to waiting for your game, or you already have your game, you did the good choice, in my opinion, and that's awesome because you got all the minis, upgrade tokens, neoprene mat, which. I managed to get a new print mat that I should receive in a couple of days. With that being said, let's talk about Return to Dark Tower.
1: Yeah, so this one was definitely not one that was on my list at all. Um, And so when you guys were talking about, you know, if we found one copy, who's going to get it? You know, I guess fortunately or unfortunately for me, there were more than three copies. So we all (laughs) all could get one. He
2: didn't have to compete on the, on the, on the, uh, none that it will it would, we wouldn't be allowed to say the type of, of contest that we wanted to have, uh, because this is a family show once again. But you, you, yeah, you had,
1: we didn't have to fight for it, so I mean, I guess in that regard, it was nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this was one, and then it's you know, one that we um brought back home, and um, it was just even cool to open the box and see everything that was in there. Um, And like you said, you know, it didn't have any of the extra Kickstarter things like the extra minis or the expansion um, or the upgrades. But um, even with the base Kickstarter with the tower, um, the pieces for the different locations on the board and for the character minis, it's still really cool looking. Um, And I feel like you're really just mostly missing out on the um, miniatures for the monsters and the the bosses that you fight. Um, But I think one of the things that I really liked about it is um you, know, you get the rule book and i think it's about what 27 pages it says
0: yeah. but a
1: lot of it it walks you through on the app and i don't really have many of the app driven games like that like i know you've got mansions of madness second edition um the lord of the rings journeys in middle earth mm-hmm. um, that have the app to drive that um so i was excited to have one of those games where um, it's not super rules heavy and the app manages a lot of the upkeep for you which was great
2: yeah, so let me walk you through what we find inside the box. As soon as we open the big, big, beautiful box, it's a, it's I, I, I sometimes mention about the art on a box, but this is a beautiful box. It, it is, I mean, com- I mean the way that it assemble. You have a frame, a red line that goes across the middle of the box that it looks fantastic. The art on the sides of the box, the back of the box, uh, you know, the main cover is just. Uh, stunning. It's just beautiful. Uh, I never got the chance to play the original Dark Tower, but now I see it, you know, in different pictures, and it seems like back then it could be an awesome game, and definitely brings memories to a lot of you amazing listeners that probably had a chance to play the game. This one, the production, it's outstanding. So as soon as you open the box, you're gonna find the imponent, I guess if that's a word, like intimidating Um tower which is a piece of engineering basically and it's 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 a very sturdy big piece of engineering uh with a lot of technology involved Uh, With uh, 12 um, hard plastic seals, you're going to get a game board, a round game board. You're going to get the hero boards, the foe cards, the quest item cards, the treasure cards, companion cards, heroic cards, gear cards, potion cards. You're going to get a haggle die, which is on the Kickstarter version engraved, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful die. You will get tokens, warrior tokens, spirit tokens. You're going to get the foe tokens, which is one of the main difference. If you don't get the the monster minions, well, they will be tokens. You're gonna get the dungeon tokens and quest markers as well, which there are minis on the on the on the expansion or on the Kickstarter version. You get 24 uh, skulls, which they come shaded. They're cool. They're very nice quality. The four heroes pre-shaded as well. Awesome quality, and the cities, the citadel, the sanctuaries, the villages, the bazaars—they are also pre-shaded, and they look outstanding on the table. Um, this is what you're gonna find on the game as 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 well with the rulebook. Now let me tell you what VGG says on the on the game, really quick. Uh, 8.6 rating right off the bat. It's a high score. Place 976 is uh, you know between the thousand uh, best games I guess from the database. Uh, you know a cooperative or competitive strategy game fighting heroes uh, against ominous I, mean, I guess anonymous tower. One to four players, um, you know, a hundred and hundred and twenty minutes per session, age ten euro plus, no dependent on the language at all. and is the weight complexity on the game is is in my opinion very low. You can play this game with anyone. Um, I wanted to before Jonathan tell us about about the gameplay and how it works, I wanted to talk about the app because I think it's important to mention that sometimes, Uh, you know, some uh, app driven games, sometimes for some people are a little bit like, you know, as soon as they see technology involved, they're like, well, no, I I don't want to be there because I like my games to be serial technology involved. I want to play board games. I don't want anything that involves technology on the table. And I get it, like, Mansions of Madness, it's a great game, but I get it if you don't like it. Uh, Lord of the Rings, I get it at the same time. Destinies, for example, from Lucky Dog Games, I get it, you know. Um, But this one, I feel like he has achieved something that I haven't seen in any other game, meaning that technology will be there, but it doesn't feel like it's either... It's definitely guiding you but it feels more as a part of the game than an auxiliary thing if that makes sense because you need it for the tower. So I know it probably doesn't make sense what I'm saying but it definitely has that feeling of like yes technology is involved but at the same time it's a board game. I mean you don't it's like it's like if technology I don't know how to say it you know then probably you can help me with this but it feels like like yes it's guiding you but it's not an app driven game in a way if that makes sense uh just because the whole technology by itself that the tower develops you know as you are playing the game right
1: yeah i think it's i mean a little bit more advanced but um even with gloomhaven there's a gloomhaven helper app where it doesn't replace the physicality of the game but um you know in gloomhaven you have all the decks for the different monsters and foes and you have to shuffle the deck and flip over the card and get the modifier where this basically takes that whole deck away and just has that in the app and tracks it so um it's more it doesn't take away from the gameplay it just makes more of the upkeep um i guess more streamlined and simple um, from that regard Um, but you still have to have all the physical components and you're not i don't think it's taking anything away from the game it just makes it more streamlined for the actual gameplay
2: yeah and i'm trying as you are describing the game and as you as you can tell us a little bit more how it plays i'm trying to bring the big tower out in that way i can play some of the sounds for you amazing listeners in that way you can feel the atmosphere but go ahead jonathan tell us how you how do we play the game of the dark tower
1: so it's actually um, going to be more simple than it looks when you open the box. Yeah. Um, you'll, go, you'll go on the app. It'll ask you um, which adventure you want to play, if you're going to play cooperative or competitive. Um, it'll have you select an adversary, which is the final boss. You select the other monsters in the game. And once you pick that, it'll basically tell you how to set everything else up. Um, it'll tell you where to put the different foes at in the board. Um, you won't place all of them yet, but they'll come out throughout the game and the app will track all that. And then as your heroes, depending on however many you're playing, you just you pick a um, kingdom on the board to start and then you're pretty much ready to go. Um, one of the things I liked is that um, on your turn and you'll play clockwise in the first month of the game, um, which takes place over a total of six months, um, each player gets one turn and then in future months it's somewhat arbitrary. Uh, the rulebook has a breakdown, so Um, I've only played two players so far and you average about seven turns per month, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get all seven turns in that month. It could be six, could be eight. Um, so you don't necessarily know when to um, try to push for a quest or for an objective, um, for that month. So I thought that was really cool. Um, but on your turn, um, at the start of your turn, each hero has what they call a banner action and that's an optional action or a bonus that you get. So um, for instance, my character, I was the relic hunter. So every turn I could get a potion for free. Um, the spy master can um, basically teleport or uh, move to another um, space in his current kingdom. Um, so there's this is movement base. I think some of the other ones either give you more warriors or more spirit to use. So um, it's more of a passive action that you get at the beginning of the turn. You can also trade items with other people Um, that are on your space at that time, Uh, but besides that, there's really not a whole lot at that phase. Um, Primarily, your turns will um, have the actions in the middle of the turn, and all this is laid out very nicely on your player mat. But this time you can move, uh, you can take heroic actions, so you either go to one of the um, areas in the kingdom and cleanse the skulls on there, which will put those back in a supply so you don't lose from running out of skulls to put in a tower, Um, You can also battle monsters or the foe, or you could go on a quest, um, which there's going to be at least two quests every month, or you can go into a dungeon when dungeons appear. So you take those actions, um, you get one of those per turn, and then you also get um, another action um as well which and is that's the be reinforced. a reinforced action yeah. uh-huh. um and so that would be where you go to a different building and they have different abilities so you could either recruit more heroes um or warriors to fight with you you can get more spirit which is one of the main resources you can get potions or gear um and a lot of those have a free version of that but you can also spend spirit um to get a better effect so um, You could spend spirit to gain a virtue, which is a character specific upgraded ability that you get for the whole game. Um, you could spend spirit to remove corruptions, which are negatives that you get when you um, can't defeat a foe or, or can't complete um, one of the foes cards that come up that could potentially um, lose the game for you. If you get too many of those, um, you could recruit extra warriors that way, or you could spend spirit to get treasure instead of gear, which is going to be, a more powerful ability, and it'll give you bonuses against certain foes.
2: Yeah, so I, I have actually something that I'm going to read here for you. Uh, and if you hear a lot of walking, those are my puppies that are excited to play the Dark Tower. Why not? But anyway, uh, standing against the darkness is not enough. We must bring light as well. And this is the Orphaned Sion. I hope I pronounced it correctly. Is one of our heroes. Uh, and just as Jonathan was describing, at the start of your turn, you get the banner. Ability, which it will give you some spirit or something else. Then the middle of your turn, which you can do in any order, you can move. Your space will usually be three. You can spend one spirit to uh, double that movement uh, value. Then you have your heroic action, which uh, after you do it, it will give it will give you spirits. You can cleanse, battle, or quest. Which the quest actually is one of my favorite parts of the game as well. And you can reinforce the different locations after that: the citadel, sanctuary, village, or bazaar. And then at the end of the turn, you're gonna drop one skull into the tower, and that's where the magic happens, Jonathan, because the tower is going to start to come for us. And let me turn it on here to see, hopefully it has batteries still, um, which is something that we're going to talk about with our impressions. Let me see if we we can hear here. Were you able to hear it? I could hear
1: it. So hopefully hopefully the audience can hear it.
2: We're going to do it again. There you go. And I'm going to try to connect right now into the tower because one of the big pros from the from the game I think there you go it's connecting right now so it's going to calibrate the tower so you probably are hearing some movements around that's the technology that involves in the tower and the tower just growled did you hear that oh man that was <laughs> Fantastic, so let me set it up just because um i wanna um, i wanna show you and I want you to listen as you as you choose uh enemies the tower starts to make <laughs> the wolves are coming all, all all sorts of noises um and I'm trying to okay. see and we we are starting the game right now so i wanna i wanna move it keep moving on the while you hear the effects while i'm trying to show you a little bit of the music from the game because it's just great um so you hear that that was fantastic okay so let's go into battle oh you know what i think i won't be able to to show you the music because i actually there you go Were you able to hear, Jonathan? Yeah, I can hear it. Yeah, let me, let me lower the volume a little bit for audience, because I'm trying to manipulate here the, everything, all the sound. Let me put it down. Check this out. So that's the music that you're gonna be listening to as you are fighting uh, some of the some of the bad guys on the tower, and as you listening to all those eight bit, um, you know, um, uh, <laughs> sounds of movements from the tower, is because you are able to set it up like kind of like the old school, I guess, way, where you can go to the settings on the app. And modify the tower in that way it does a bunch of 8-bit sounds Are you playing. That's pretty cool. And in my opinion, and I'm sorry because this is a family uh, podcast, it makes the, the the tower pretty badass. Like, it's a badass tower. The sounds that it makes, the immersiveness. I was just on it when I was playing it solo. As you drop the skulls on the tower at the end of each turn, uh, through the top of the tower... The tower will do something; either it will rotate, uh, you know, by itself, and it will start to throw skulls at different regions on the on the, on the kingdoms. And as soon as one region on one kingdom, meaning one citadel, one bazaar, one a sanctuary, has three skulls or more, uh, at that point, that that uh, building will be destroyed, and you know, bad things are going to start to happen to our heroes, especially if they belong to that kingdom. So that's how the game can push a little bit towards you, you know, to lose the game, right? There's different difficulties that you can have set up. Uh and, and the game, I mean, without spoiling you too much on the stories of what's going on, like Jonathan was mentioning, you're gonna be guided with the app And let me rephrase. You won't be guided by the app. You will be guided by the tower as the tower interacts with you, as the tower tries to punish you, as you go more in into the immersiveness of the game. It's a highly thematic game, which is definitely my cup of tea. Um, It's a fantastic game. I I can play it with anyone. And I feel like whoever I play it with will, will be engaged also, because in, in part I would try to do that job of role playing it a little bit and try to make sure that everybody's in the atmosphere and, you know, tell a little bit of a story there while I read the, the intro of the of the game and then the tower making noises and all that stuff. I can definitely see myself playing on, on my gaming room with probably some lights off and that way it can have that dim effect which is a little bit like, you know, shadows around the tower just growling all the time and going with full colors of red and purple and the fire coming out from the tower is just so thematic and so epic and so uh, immersive at the same time. It's a fun, fun game. Components-wise, from the from the Kickstarter version that we currently have, uh, you know, that doesn't include any minis other than the main heroes and the skulls and the, and the cities, the components are great, though. The tokens are very sturdy. Cardboard, very sturdy, good quality. The insert, uh, it's fantastic, you know. Everything has its place. I have my card's sleeve already, and they fit perfectly. They don't feel tight or anything like that. And, you know, the, the way that you assemble everything back into the box, it feels nicely. Uh, even the board, which is a big, round board. Um, the tower, as long as you take care of it, it should last you, I don't know, for a long, long, long time. Um, the one risk is that if, if the tower falls at, fall at some point, I mean, that that would be it, right? Like, I don't, I, I mean you're going to have that risk of, you know, getting the tower broken. Um, One cool thing from the tower is that eventually, as events go by between the months, it's going to be asking you to remove some of the gates from the doors from the tower, and then the tower will spin by itself, and it will throw some symbols at different regions. And now it will make it harder for you to do certain actions or those regions where those symbols are targeting through because basically you need to spend more spirit, have more will in order to do those actions uh, per se. One of my favorite things, Jonathan, is the combat mechanic where it's basically the app will draw cards for you or you will select some cards from a, a draw pile from the, from the app. But also the dungeon. As you quest into the dungeon, you're going to spend warriors more than likely. Well, depending on which heroes you're choosing, right? But with the the hero that I choose, I was expanding warriors. And you're trying to go in in this labyrinth path full of darkness, trying to guess which way to go in the dungeon to try to basically rescue those allies that will join you as you go through your journey of trying to to defeat the Dark Tower, right? So I think that's great. Um, I don't know what's your experience on that aspect with the game.
1: I thought it was cool, and I like how the app um, tracks... Uh, when you go into a dungeon. So I think when we played it, uh, my wife did like three of the rooms and was able to clear those before she was out of um, advantages, which help against certain things or she was running a lot of warriors. So she left. And then in my turn, I could go um, and continue to explore the dungeon. So it remembers everything that you did. Um, And so other players can interact with it or if you went back on a following turn, you could pick up where you left off and only explore the areas that you haven't gone to before. Um, but I thought it was pretty cool because you're kind of pushing your luck. You don't know what you're going to find in the next room in the dungeon, um, yeah. and it could be a threat that you just aren't prepared for.
2: Okay, so now that we talk about how the game plays, we talk about the components, we talk about the awesome awesomeness in the tower. I I, I hope you were able to listen uh, properly. I hope not very annoying the sounds of the tower and the music from the app, which I think is fantastic. Um, that's uh, those are my big pros, right? Like the the immersiveness. Of the game, the thematic uh, aspect of the game, the components, the heroes—I I think they're very well developed. The deck of treasures—are you getting? You're trying to get, you know, to improve your your advantages, which they will basically will be the ones that are going to be helping you to defeat enemies with magic, humanoids, strength, uh, melee. Uh, you know, uh, besides the different uh, things that can interact with the map in order to modify the map, like uh, uh, rivers of fire and things like that. I mean, it has these all these cool things um, that I can mention, and I probably, I'm sure that they will hold up to the replay value of the game, uh, especially if you adjust difficulty. Let's talk about the things that we we, we don't like that much. But also, I want to hear your favorite parts of the game, Jonathan, because I already mentioned mines. But after that, jump right away and tell me and tell us what are your favorite parts of the game and your less favorite parts of the game.
1: So I think my favorite parts, I talked about it a little bit, but just the setup is super streamlined and easy with the app. Um, and I like how you could almost kind of randomize, you know, with the adventure that you pick with the adversary and the foes. Like, I feel like it's going to be a different game every time. Um, so even if you play the same quest over again for the main goal, like the rest of the um, scenario could be different based on the other foes that you have available. Um, I think one of the cool things is... So regardless of the player count, there, you play with the entire board. Um, but if there's a kingdom that you're not from, if there are negative effects there, they don't necessarily hurt you um, as the player that's in those areas. So I think that's one ga- way the game makes it where it doesn't get too hard. If where you can't spread out across the whole board, like you could with four players versus two. So I think it balances that well. So it's definitely challenging, but not overwhelming at least so far for the scenario that we've we've done. Um, I mean, that could be different for other ones, but um, it was still challenging enough that way. Um, I also like how with the foes, if you don't defeat a certain foe and the token or miniature stays out, um, the game knows that. And so after certain events happen, the foes get harder. So even like the level two um, foe, which is the lowest, like they could still be a challenge to fight after, you know, two or three months where they're building up their power, their cards get tougher. Um, your advantages aren't as strong, and so you could fight them, and um, you know you could still take corruption and negative effects from even the lowest level of foes if you don't manage them well and, and let them stay on the board for a long time. So I thought that was cool how they have the same amount of cards; they just get um, boosted as the time goes on. And that would make sense as a group of foes or a monster gets stronger over time when it's not been defeated by the heroes. Um, So I would say those are my uh, main pros and just the simplicity of, you know, you have a turn, here are the phases, you, you you get an action from these two different groups of actions and that's pretty much your turn. You drop the skull in and the app tells you what the tower does in response and you're on to the next turn. So, um, there's a lot of choices, but the actual amount of actions you have and choices aren't that difficult, where I feel like you would have much analysis paralysis with those decisions.
2: What are the things that you didn't like?
1: One thing I didn't like, um, I don't know if it's just the characters that we played or the scenario, but um, there's the haggle that the haggle die that you mentioned. Yeah. I don't feel like it really came up either to use it or not in our game. So what the haggle die does is you can roll it before you take um, an action at one of the city locations, and it could either um, have no effect where you get to carry out that action. Um, It could give you a bonus, so you could get a free gear, a free potion, um, or three warriors, but two sides of the die um, will cancel out that whole action. So you could try to do that. Um, It makes sense. You're trying to haggle to get a better action than what you're doing, and if you roll that die face, then... Um, you know, basically waste action. We just didn't run into a situation where we were pushed so hard where it's like, oh, I really need that extra potion or that extra gear um, where it was worth taking that risk, um, and it seemed like it would be a bigger risk than it would be worth. Um, but I know there isn't a treasure card that basically cancels that effect, and I think that w- would be beneficial. Um, it just didn't seem like it played that big of a part in, in the game that we played, so I don't know if it wasn't really a necessary aspect of the game.
2: Yeah, and 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 I kind of agree with that that I feel like I didn't interact the di- too much with the dice as as you know it was probably meant to be or or at least uh you know in theory because I I was like well why would I risk it if I can get my action, right? Like if I can still get my stuff. One of the uh, cons as well at least from the from the time that I have played the game is that in the normal difficulty, if you don't mo- modify any difficulty on the game, it feels like it's easy. Like, um, it feels cool. It feels cool, I'm sorry, as, as the journey goes and you interact with the tower and tower, like, try to bring stuff towards you. But at the same time, it feels easy. Now, I haven't had a try it with gritty. greedy, uh, I think it's called Greedle or Greedy um, uh, Difficulty. But, I mean, I heard that it, it definitely gets more difficult, right? So um that's one con as I got my first playthroughs that it, it feels like it was too easy, too easy. I, I wish it would be a little bit more hardy-ish just to, to give you that tension of it. I, I never felt that tension. I felt the excitement of it. And, you know, and the expectation of now what the tower is going to do and what it's going to throw at me and trying to go to the dungeon and fighting and this and that. But I never got any tension feeling. So I I just hope I can find it there as I play the game um, more. Now, just by everything that we talk, I feel that this is a game that it will stay on my collection probably, you know, permanently, just because it's so unique. And I feel like this game... Just like his predecessor, um, it's gonna be down the road twenty years from now, twenty five years from now. It's gonna be oh, I remember that Dark Tower game. Oh yeah, bring it up, and it's gonna be almost like you know, like a like a classic. Like if you, right now we play a Super Nintendo game, I feel like it will be kind of like the same twenty twenty five years from now with this particular game of the Dark Tower, just because it it, it seems like it's meant, it was meant to, it was built uh, to meant to be, I guess. Uh, a nostalgic piece for the future. So at least I get that, that impression from it. From it. Uh, so far, my rating for this game, I will put it at, on a solid 4.5, to be honest, just because it has too many pros and just a few cons. Um, and one of the big pros is not only the production of it, but also the easy of playness, Uh, that you can play this game with anyone. Matter of fact, I think this game might bring a lot of people into the hobby just because how cool it looks, sounds, and makes you feel. I mean, this is a game that I want to play with my non-gamers group of friends and just be like, hey guys, let's play a game. Have you ever played a cooperative game? Well, this is a cooperative game. We're going to be fighting this tower and then they're going to hear the the tower going like and growling and all that stuff. and You know, i think I think definitely this could be an opportunity to make something epic on a game that it's also meant to be for non heavy gamers, so that's my thoughts on on the dark Tower turn the to dark tower solid four point five and I recommend that if you have the chance to snag a copy without paying like those crazy numbers of what are they called Jonathan scalpers I think that is what they call
1: those scalpers
2: Scalpers, yeah um without uh, paying crazy amount of money for it, I think you should you should give it a try uh and you know try to get a copy of it. I know it will hit retail at some point um I don't know the difference between the components how how they're gonna be how significant they're gonna be, but definitely give it a try and if someone that you know got a copy, just try it uh and If you got a copy and you don't wanna have the game anymore and you're willing to part with the minis and expansions and tokens and all the stuff. Uh, reach out to me solobgpodcast at gmail.com and i will gladly uh will negotiate with you <laughs> to see if i can get those expansions jonathan thoughts final thoughts on return to the dark tower well you already mentioned your thoughts pretty much but you rating writing more than anything i
1: think i will give it a 4.5 as well um i want to play through uh, more of the scenarios and i do want to try it solo as well um and I see how it plays with the different player counts um i think for me at least like i'm okay with what you get in the base box um but i would like more um, i think there was one expansion where it adds more cards so there's more items more equipment and different things that you can get and i think that would help um with some of the um, variability that you get um because i think even when we played this first time like we went through the entire treasure deck and at least saw everything so i think it would be cool to add even just more cards and more options to upgrade your heroes so if i can find that expansion i think that would be the first one i would jump on even above the minis to add some variability to the game
2: yeah i'm excited for my next month trip to st louis again with my wife <laughs> just to see if i'm able to find something uh anyway uh jonathan this was a great episode we talk about a bunch of games very fun games uh we talk about our experience over there with your annual trip the Django's. We're we're known as the Jangos just because that brings back to when the three of us we met playing Star Wars Destiny and we were playing with Yang cards and who would have thought like five, six years later you and I we were still making a podcast uh about the Dark Tower. So <laughs> so um uh, so there's that Uh, It was a great episode. Thank you so much for listening. Again, once again, episode 110. Remember that we are part of the Dice Tower Network, and uh, you should go to the Dice dicetowernetwork.com and check out the other uh, podcasts that you can find there, because amazing people put their creativity out there and they have some fantastic podcasts that you should listen into and give it the opportunity as well uh actually tom and eric i think they started a new podcast recently you should i don't remember the name probably jonathan you know the name in that way people can uh, give it a try as well uh so anyway this was episode 110 jonathan any final words besides the name of the podcast in that way our friends can go and check it out
1: Yeah. So the new Dice Tower podcast with Tom and Eric, um, I think there's been um, an episode zero where they introduced themselves and they did the first episode with Jerry Hawthorne. um, who's done a lot of the little storybook games like mice and mystics um, and some other things for plaid hat. Um, It's called at the table with Tom and Eric. So it's less game top 10 focused and it's more of a discussion with the designers and kind of their history so um I think it's still on the same original Dice Tower feed. So check it out there. Um and there's a couple episodes to start with.
2: All righty, there you go. Jonathan, thank you so much for, for uh joining us, you know, again. And I will stop thanking you because I have the feeling that we will be doing these way more often than before. So I will stop like thanking you as a as and looking at you as a guest uh versus I know you're a part of the solo bg podcast. So I should stop that 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 uh you know way of me saying thank you for joining us because this is this is also your part of this. Uh, we had a great time, Jonathan. Uh, so stay safe, and we're gonna play soon again in a couple of days, actually.
1: Yep, it's almost game night.
2: It's almost game night. I wonder. I don't think Caleb is gonna bring the Dark Tower, but don't worry, I might do it. I already have prepared that epic night of Lord of the Rings and Dark Tower and go crazy immersive. But we'll see. We'll see what happens, Jonathan. I see you soon, my friend. Uh, to all of you amazing listeners, I will hear you soon. In another episode of Solo Bidget Podcast. And like always, until next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop.
0: Drink tequila, spend summer
2: at a Mexican bar.
0: Stephen Austin, Davy Crockett, and I'm driving my car. Maybe life is simple and I'm making it hard. Remember the Alamo Driving home on these Texas roads Nowhere left to go